Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. Father Travis, we're not going to do any banter today. No, some people hate the banter, and then some do. Some there's some there's some, and we're bantering that now right now. But let's banter about some, not bantering. Some podcasts, uh, namely "What God Is Not" by Mother Natalia and Father Lachlan, um, where they now announce at the beginning of their hour long episodes. Uh, where you can skip to in the episode to avoid the banter. Mm-hmm. Um, we will not be doing that because we don't do any kind of post-production editing. <laughs> um, it's just what you see is what you get, ladies and gentlemen, but you don't right. see it. I guess what you hear is what you get. Right. Um, so part of what you hear is what you get is just us catching up. So sorry, we're busy priests and we don't get that much time to chat. So this is a lot of it is just, you know, some people love the banter. Up. Some people want to get straight into the meat. Every, yeah. Every podcast that has any type of really a lot of podcasts, most podcasts, have this experience of banter, and there are always going to be banter haters, and there's going to be banter lovers. There's a reason in a restaurant you have an appetizer. Absolutely. You no, know, you just ease into things. Aperitivo. If yeah, you, know. you don't just dive into Beef Wellington when you sit down. <laughs> you know, it's a little, it's a little intense. Now, the banter haters will be like, "Well, Father Shane, you guys only have a 20 minute podcast, so you basically only have an appetizer, anyways." <laughs> so it's like. Some well, we we are not getting on board with all the other podcasts that go an hour, hour and a half. That's right. We, we have time for that. This is a treadmill workout yeah, treadmill podcast. Workout. Yeah, unless okay. you're hardcore, long-distance runners running an hour on the podcast, on the treadmill. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. We're not. Uh, speaking of Beef Wellington, this is going to be kind of a this is going to be kind of a meaty episode. This is not going to be a light and fluffy episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so for those of you on the on the treadmill right now listening, um, don't fall off. Crank it up. Just <laughs> keep going. Just go harder and harder. Uh, all right. Is, uh, just like in the spirit of not bantering, we're just going to give a little banter. Um, th- did you watch Stranger Things, or have you you know about Stranger Things at least? I did not watch that. It's wonderful, but okay. it's really um, it's kind of like got it's got like the eighties thing, which is going for it, but then it also has these really intense like sci fi thriller moments where things are just really intense. And I I told myself it was the first time I experienced. Uh, like really the the temptation of Netflix binge. I've never had a Netflix account. I've just used my brothers, as most people do, just use their family members, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I realized it was so compelling that I wanted to watch three episodes back to back. And I realized this is not healthy for me as a seminarian over my Christmas break. So I will only watch this if I'm running on the treadmill, which was helpful. It kept me running for like 40, 40 minutes because it was so intense. And you lost 45 but pounds I, or but something. I found my, but I <laughs> found of stranger things. in the really intense like thrilling parts it uh-huh. was like running a little faster and like kind of like i want to like punch the speed up because you're like running away from like these monsters that are coming at you so that might be something helpful i'm not a big horror movie guy but maybe the thrillers the- when father travis watches a thriller the treadmill is smoking <laughs> you know his yeah. blood rate you know in the intensity and the right. suspense gets the treadmill just about to I fall apart watch more thrillers and i'd maybe lose some more weight that'd be a good thing anyway speaking of the beef wellington meat yes the content yes, the the main dish uh if you will of today's <laughs> the entree the, yes the entree see if you play <laughs> the um main dish that we're going to be dishing up here today G.K. Chesterton, as you know, is one of my you know favorite thinkers. Guys, if you will. Dudes, bros, <laughs> if you will. It's good to have friends, even deceased friends, because their voice keeps speaking in all their great writings. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, early 20th century British author, convert from agnosticism to Anglicanism to Roman Catholicism, 
born in 1874, the same year. great hats. Lots of great hats, good canes, <laughs> lots right. of good cigars. Born in 1874, died in 1936. This year, we're going to have to do a Chesterton episode coming up because this year marks the 100th anniversary of his conversion. Oh, good. I would love to talk about the Father Brown stories because I love those. All right. Stay so, tuned, listeners. Yeah, that'd be great. We will do that. But one of Chesterton's great quotes, which I think is wonderful, uh, Fulton Sheen quoted it often, um, though he never gave credit to Chesterton from what I can tell. Um, But one of Chesterton's great quotes is on birth control. Mm. And he said, people who are interested in birth control are actually interested not in birth nor in any (laughs) self-control. And uh, he he just captured this beautiful reality uh, in the words of Father James Mason. Absolutely. There's this beautiful reality of uh, what he's capturing there, that there is there is just nothing, you know, in terms of a desire for actual birth, <laughs> right. nor a desire for any control. Mm-hmm. It's, this, it's this big misnomer. So we're going to be talking about birth control today, folks. Keep riding on that treadmill. Don't fall off. Okay. Very good. Um, very little desire for births in our culture. Very little desire for control. Oddly enough, when someone gets pregnant and we go to great lengths to, sh- to throw these enormous, elaborate uh, baby showers, and you know people get so excited, they have to go to- Gender reveal parties. Gender reveal parties is the new thing. People go to work and they want to show, show everybody the ultrasound images. There is this deeply ingrained beauty of respecting uh, the gift of life and celebrating with new parents. Yes. And yet at the same time, there is this avalanche- of fear towards pregnancy, uh, it's going to somehow impede all the fun that I should be having. It's going to impede my career, my grad school choices. It's you know going to adversely fit, affect our family to the point that we're all going to be poor and living on ramen noodles for the rest of our lives if we possibly get pregnant again. Both of these realities are quite strong right now, and uh, it, it doesn't speak of a of a well unified culture you know towards the gift of life. Um, and I think. Uh, you know, when you look at like Pew research studies about why people have left the Catholic Church, one of the reasons, one of the top reasons is people are unhappy with the church's teachings on birth control. And perhaps if their conscience is pricking them a little bit, it's just easier to step away from the church rather than be reminded that, you know, perhaps I'm not in communion with the church's beliefs and practices. Yes. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a, this is a, you know, a, a wedge that sometimes can drive people away and we're going to address it, Good. especially for people who might be on the fence of whether or not they really want to be in the church. Maybe there's even some fallen away Catholics who are thinking about, should I come back? Maybe we have fallen away Catholics listening to this who are, you know, seeking to be confirmed as to why they want to be an outcast and get out of the church. I'm not hmm. sure, but we're yeah. going to speak to all of them today. Okay. Excellent. You know, uh, Father Travis, as you know from your seminary studies and university work, you know, birth control is not new to the 20th century. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go back to, you know, the ancient Egyptians would experiment with alligator dung, you know, to, to see if there was, you know, some medicinal ways that, you know, hormones and, and sperm cells could be mitigated or, or killed. The ancient and, Romans had linen condoms, you know. And it's helpful to remember, too, and this is always, it's like, and so many of those, the, the border between contraceptive methods and abortifacients mm-hmm. was very, very thin, right? When it came down to these like chemical uses of things like that, right? right. It's like, well, if we can't, right, if we can't prevent the pregnancy so we can still have the, the pleasure of the sex, then, well, we'll just make sure that the baby doesn't survive. Right. So those have been kind of tied together for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, 
I don't know how deeply we're going to get into, yeah, 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 yeah. into all of those distinctions today, but um, you know, contraception is not new. People trying to avoid the consequences of sexual behavior, wanting the pleasure but no responsibility of parenthood, uh, this is not new. Right. As my pastor always says in, in RCA, the desire to separate sex and babies has always been around. The, um, the ability to do that has, has not always been so um, easy right. to separate those two things that are intimately connected. Right. Yeah, and as the 20th century progressed, our ability to control hormonal levels within a woman, uh, which can gra- greatly affect her, um, her ovulation cycle, um, just her overall fertility, uh, her ability to kind of have implantation, mm-hmm. um, her ability to, to carry a pregnancy to full term, understanding hormone levels uh, and all the different you know, intricacies of a woman's fertility cycle, but also a man's fertility as well, scientifically speaking. All these things, that we've, we've come through a lot of great scientific advances in the past 100 years. Um, and with those advances comes an enormous amount of responsibility in which you know, the gift of life is not always respected and the ability to keep separating, um, separating the unitive act and the procreative act you know, from, the, uh, from the marital lo- married love of a couple can really go by the wayside. Right. And, and as we understand these things better, and it's, it's fascinating how we also understand the risks involved, whether that's blood clotting in a woman, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, risk of heart attacks, whether breast that's cancer. breast cancer, yeah. the risk of strokes. Um, all these risks are there when it comes to someone being on a pill. Um, uh, how she understands just her overall fertility and her overall mental well-being, her, even her, just her emotional well-being, all these hormones are related into interconnected systems. And we're understanding these things better and better and better. And yet the drive to separate the procreative from the unitive act of sex just keeps growing with that. Yes. Uh, in, this, in this just very, very lustful culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no one ever is talking about the, the downfalls of that. You know, and, and you and I are not, you know, we're not doctors, we're not nurses, we're not on the cutting edge of every single, you know, scientific discovery. But we do have some, um, some pretty key things um, that we'd like to talk through and um, really unpack as to why this is dangerous from a priest's perspective. Yeah. We're really looking at a pastoral perspective today. And that's helpful because I think often people... They they hear the church or the priest who represents the church. So talking about sexuality, and they're like, "What are what do you celibate guys have to talk about this?" Or right. when when John Paul II sets out with theology of the body, it's like, what do you celibate guys have to talk about this? But you no, know, we we care about families. We care about people's flourishing. We care about what we're made for. We care about our ultimate destiny, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not prudes about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like as as I think Christians can be culture uh, can be. Um, seen kind of because of the puritanism of america so yeah i'm excited to we're gonna touch on this well i you know speaking of from a, a pastoral point of view you know we've encountered couples who maybe a woman was put on birth control at a very young age to deal with acne or or some other medical issue and so many physicians are very quick to put young women on the pill maybe because there's an assumption they're going to be sexually active or maybe there's other medical needs that being said, I've, I've worked with plenty of physicians who have always told me there are other ways within modern medicine right. to treat a whole host of medical issues in which one does not have to be on birth control pills. 
but that being said, say a, a young woman was was put on the pill in her teen years. I have worked with women who, throughout their teen years and their college years, into their young adult mid mid twenties, have been on the pill for so long that now that they're married and they actually want to conceive, they want to get pregnant. Their hormonal levels inter- internally are so imbalanced that pregnancy is actually very very difficult, uh, and to kind of regulate that and uh, realign one's hormones. Uh, that's a big adjustment for women, and, and I rarely hear people talking about that. Um, there's there's also uh, the pastoral perspective of couples that you meet in the confessional. Well, not a couple, but one of the persons of a couple in the confessional. Uh, it's always fascinating to me to listen to people who come to the confessional and just admit, yeah, Father, we know this is wrong. Uh, we're using contraception in our married love. And what's fascinating to me is they don't sit there and they just they don't just sit there and admit like we're breaking a, a, a divine commandment, so to speak. Right. They don't sit there and say, I know I am not following the catechism. So often there is this um, humble admission that the quality of their love, the quality of their communication, the quality of their interpersonal intimacy is suffering. Mm. Um and there's no way to, to you know bring a video camera into the uh, into the confessional yeah. and record these beautiful sentiments that come out from people. Mm. But I, I I often meet people who bring this to confession and they recognize there's a deeper bond that's being sacrificed through the in- introduction of of contraception in my married life. Right. Well, as Paul the Sixth says in Humanae Vitae, I want to read maybe the. Paragraph 17, where uh, Paul VI really spells out the risks. I mean, it's just a second, but he, he talks later on of, so this, this document, Humanae Vitae, written in 1968, where Pope Paul VI, now St. Pope St. Paul, St. Pope Paul VI. Pope St. Paul. Paul VI. Right. He, he responds to the, the desire from even the Catholics at the time in the, in the late 60s to, for the church to change its official teaching on, on the use of contraception contraceptives and uh, birth control, artificial birth control. And he comes back and he says, no, the church has always taught this and it's going to remain, you know, it's going to continue to teach this. But then I love, he defines the love of marriage beautifully as a gift of free, full, faithful, and fruitful love, mm-hmm. right? free, full, faithful, and fruitful. And I often with my, with my students use that as a framework of you try to you hang, you hang something on that. And if it doesn't meet that twofold good of marriage, babies and bonding, the unitive and procreative act, if it's not a free, full, faithful gift of self, it doesn't belong in marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're tapping into is when couples, even if they don't have that terminology, they start to recognize we're not making this free, full, faithful, fruitful gift. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the, the language of use that John Paul II uses in um, uh, love and responsibility. Uh, the, the really like pithy way of saying it is just that, we're created to love people and use things. When we start using people and loving things, it's when it goes wrong. Right. And people realize that. Like they realize that there's there's not this mutual self gift of free, full, faithful, fruitful love. There's probably some use involved. Mm-hmm. Right. There's probably some um, some some selfish desires that are at play. Right. Yeah. I sometimes say to my high school students when they want to get very defensive about the use of condoms. Ah. Um, right, because that's always the you can you can make the, the conversation about the kind of hormonal effects of 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 the pill, and, mm-hmm. and and I think because everybody's so green now, there's even the recognition I don't want to put that in my body. But it's like, or or you want to put all those you know extra hormones you know 
in the urine samples, uh, which goes in the into water. the toilet, which right. goes into the water, which, which goes into the, the stream, fish. which right. changes the fish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's that boulder. Yeah. But then, but then it's difficult. And even with Catholic couples, it's like, okay, it's like condoms aren't really doing much. Like that's not doing all this damage. Right. What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Well, I, but I say, I push back on that and I say, if the sexual union of a married couple is to help ratify and renew, represent your wedding vows. If it is a, is an opportunity in a physical love language of the body to give of yourself, to make a total gift of yourself in an act that's free, total, faithful, and fruitful, well, first of all, you're not giving your full self. You're certainly not giving your fertility. You're withholding that. So it's not a, it's not a total gift of self in your renewal of your wedding vows. But more importantly, what does it say in the representation of your wedding vows to say, we're going to introduce a barrier? Mm-hmm. We're going to introduce a barrier. Uh, it's made out of latex, and it was probably made in New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nothing against New Jersey. <laughs> but uh, you, you get the point. Yeah. Wherever these condoms are being made, this is a manufactured product of latex made in a factory. And somehow you think that this product which is now serving as a barrier of fertility, is part of the secret recipe of your undivided wedded love. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about that. Uh, I, I just don't think that equation works. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a full gift of self. Um, you know, and, and people will push back. Well, yeah, but Father, I've got my needs. I've got my needs. I've got my needs. Well, you know, there's always <laughs> abstinence. There is, there's always yeah, abstinence, there is, okay? This is, you know, there could be the discussion of natural family planning. We don't have all, probably all the time in the world. We'll like, do another episode. Yeah, hash that out. That could, yeah. that could come next, which would be helpful. But uh, Jason Everett has, when when people used to actually listen to these things called CDs, right? Right, um, back in the had, day. Well, yeah, just this is only a film a few years ago, but it's called Green Sex, and it's a great talk. I'm sure, sure. it's on YouTube. But one thing he gets into is that comment of it's like, well, I got my needs. Like I just got, you know, it's like I'm just a ravenous animal. It's like, okay, easy. Um, whatever, whatever situation for trying to understand fertility, they said, okay, like don't come together as husband and wife for like a month. We'll we'll track her cycle so that we can understand some of this NAPRO technology that that happens at places like St. Paul the Sixth Institute. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, oh, a month. Right. <laughs> and this nun who was the nurse in the hospital said, honey, you're going to be okay. Right. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get through as yeah. like a nun who's been celibate her whole life is like, right you can handle it yeah know? we get this all the time people who say oh, i've got my needs father i can't i can't go that long but, what what but, am i yeah what am i'm I? celibate like, yeah right. you're talking to a celibate you'll be fine but that's do important. i look depressed to you right but that's an important <laughs> thing too because like i think people really do think that priests are just like asexual weirdos who just don't don't aren't real people right Mm -hmm. asexual robots who just don't experience the passions like everybody else it's like no we're called to the same free full faithful fruitful gift right Mm -hmm. we've just been invited through the lord jesus to make this this sacrifice of the good of marriage for the sake of the kingdom of god right Mm -hmm. but just as a a couple needs to experience abstinence so do we choose that right and as everybody's invited to that life of chastity prior to marriage right Mm -hmm. like that's just a life that we continue to live Mm -hmm. so i i Go ahead, I, wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to just reference this because I used to talk with the kids and I had it pulled up here, the quote. But um, if you read Humanae Vitae sometime by St. Paul the Six, it's not that long. It's actually pretty easy to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really telling. And there's this very prophetic paragraph, number 17. Mm-hmm. So if you read everything, I mean, you can read this in like 30 seconds. But um, if you look it up, just Humanae Vitae, it's free online on the Vatican's website. And you just scroll down to paragraph 17. 
he gives this very prophetic message of if we have widespread contraception, this is 1968, this is before Woodstock, he said, these things are probably going to happen. And just a few things that he mentions, he says, another effect that gives cause for alarm is that a man who grows accustomed to the use of contraceptive methods may forget the reverence due to a woman and disregarding her physical and emotional equilibrium, reduce her to being a mere instrument for the satisfaction of his own desires, no longer considering her as his partner, whom he should surround with care and affection. Thank you, Pornhub.com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you I know. said this. I said this to the kids. I said, "Ladies, um, who uh, who wants to be uh, forgotten for the reverence due to them, and then be um, just reduced to a mere instrument for the satisfaction of a guy? Does that sound like a good thing?" No, but that happens clearly, right? Yeah. Hey, you say <laughs> any porn website, Pornhub, right? All the addiction with pornography, but then also the way the way that so many men treat women. Like I, right. I worked in the inner city, and and so many families we talked to. So many of these single moms in the projects are single moms in the projects because guy just came in, you know, used them and used used them, right? right? And somebody could say, oh well, you know, we'll have we'll have more. Planned Parenthood's there and just more contraception to fix that. It's like, no, it doesn't fix it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then that's, uh, and then this well, is just lastly, just one little thing that they said in this paragraph at the very end that I think hits home with a lot of people who don't particularly like when the government imposes certain, um, you know, things on you, especially medical things like mm -hmm. that you don't choose for yourself. I don't know, like a vaccine or something like that. Mm -hmm. It says at the very end, um, talking about governments that might use contraceptive methods, which they consider more effective for, for public, uh, you know, safety or whatever. And it said, should they regard this as necessary, they may even impose their use on everyone, right? Mm. We see this in different third world countries where it's like, yeah, well, the West will give you all this, all this support for, with food and medicine and everything. But the prerequisite is that like there's mass use of contraception mm -hmm. and sometimes even sterilization that accompanies all of the, all of the healthcare, you know, quote unquote mm -hmm. healthcare that comes. So right. we're running out of time for those people on the treadmill. Yeah, for the treadmill, if, you're, if your heart rate is going and the treadmill is smoking, hopefully this has been a, an interesting conversation. But just in conclusion, um, for any of our listeners out there who are on contraception as a couple, uh, just invite you to take that to prayer and to say, is this helping me grow closer to God? Am I potentially using my partner, my spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whomever it is? Am I actually making a full gift of myself that would actually you know, honor Jesus and the full gift of self that he made on the wood of the cross. Am I operating simply out of fear mm -hmm. or am I operating simply out of wanting pleasure without the other consequences that, that God created with the gift of human sexuality? If you're making those distinctions, if you're trying to rationalize things, if you're trying to do moral theology in your head to try and justify why this is okay, if you're operating out of fear or if you just know in the depths of your heart, my communication with my loved one is breaking down and we do have the potential for using one another. If that's going on in your heart, I invite you to really take that to prayer. I invite, invite you also to bring that to the sacrament of confession and to allow the Lord's healing mercy uh, to be present in that and also to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you towards a greater gift of self. Uh, the point of this conversation is not to judge and to throw people under the bus. It's actually to invite you into the fullness of life that Jesus wants you to have. So I, I hope this has been just kind of a, a little introductory primer to a pretty big topic that we could always revisit in the future. Uh, Father Travis, thanks for your insights. Thanks for the quotes from uh, St. Paul VI. And uh, we'll see you next time. Big chunk out of the Beef Wellington that will continue to break down over time. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in. 
Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.